Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Wednesdays at 5pm. Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of Brainwaves. Mark here on the panel and today uh, we have uh, Brainwaves members Kate and Kathy, who will be speaking with Professor Jayshree Kulkarni, the Director of Monash Alfred Psychiatry Research Centre. Professor Kulkarni is also Vice President of the International Association for Women's Mental Health and uh, will apparently be becoming President in March 2017. So uh, without further ado, um, I'll hand over to uh, the, our uh, interviewers, Kate and Kathy, to begin things. Welcome, Jay Shree. Thank you very much for having me. Um, Jay Shree, it's fantastic to have an expert in women's mental health um, as a guest. Um, we'd be fascinated to hear your views on, on, on the area. Um, I understand you have some quite strong views on borderline personality disorder. <laughs> yes, I do, and uh, I'm delighted that I get the chance to actually express them on air. Um, just to begin with, though, I have to say that women's mental health as a an area hasn't received and does not still receive enough attention, enough resourcing. It's not a priority on a national level, and that's just not good enough. So I've been working in the area of trying to improve mental health care for women who have mental disorders, and um, we we get some way, but I, I still think that we've got an awful lot to do. And you mentioned one of my um, pet projects at the moment, which is this awful, awful term called borderline personality disorder. It's um, first of all, it's a rubbish term. Um, you know, to say something is borderline leaves leaves people thinking, well, is there something? Is there not something? Sure. And then to say personality disorder is, well, hang on, you've just said that the very essence of that which is me is disordered. So you've got this term which really is a, a terrible term to throw around. And in actual fact, I think we're missing a whole cause and potential way forward by using a term that's meaningless. When I see women, and I have a special clinic at the Alfred um, Hospital, which is where I'm based clinically, and we see women on Thursdays as a women's mental health clinic, and we see a number of women with what we call complex trauma disorder. I think, unfortunately, in our society, in our community, we have a number of women who have experienced trauma or abuse in their background. And by trauma, I'm, I'm encompassing quite a wide range. It's from emotional deprivation as a, as a young person, as a child, um, or emotional abuse through to physical abuse and sexual abuse. And the whole spectrum is that of trauma in this person's background. And the ripples of that are quite widespread and continue on in the adult woman's life, uh, ripples from things that happened to her when she was uh, a young girl. And that's very common in a number of people we see in our clinic. It's, it's not well recognised, the sorts of things that can happen for women, and unfortunately that then means that the sorts of treatments that uh, the woman gets are A, not effective, and B, if things are done badly, then they can re-traumatise her. So um, I'm a real advocate of, of changing names so that names of conditions are not there to 
basically make things worse for the individual, but to actually give the person a sense of what is going on and where to from here. And um, could you tell us what what complex trauma disorder involves? So as I said, usually in a woman who has this condition, there's something that's happened in the background, and it may not even be that far background. It could still be going on, Uh, family violence, domestic violence, interpersonal violence, interpersonal partner violence is still continuing on. Um, And I'm very pleased that, in fact, we have got a highlight on that um, we're talking more about that this year, but we need to think what we do with the outcomes and consequences in a mental health sense. But the person can experience all sorts of things when the traumas are very, very pronounced. So it can be things, symptoms now, such as rage. So we get uh, the situation where this person is very angry. And it's understandable when you think about what the person has been through, but often the rage is disconnected from what happened. So simple everyday things can actually go wrong and they do for everyone, but the person who's got this background can just have absolute rage when the actual precipitating thing is not that bad. Um, So that's called emotional discontrol. And there's also then uh, problems in relationships where she feels and self-esteem is just shot to pieces. This is a person who has very poor self-esteem and she feels absolutely unworthy of anything good. So often if the relationship is good and it's going along well and there's a stable partner, um, she will push that person away because there's a sort of central drive in her to go, I'm not worthy. I just don't deserve this. So there'll be a sort of engineering of a fight or a spat or something to push him or her away. But the minute the partner takes that sort of, um, if you like, go retreats into a cave because they can't handle the, the conflict, she feels bereft. And so then she goes charging after them and wants them you know, to reassure her that she's worthy of being loved. So this is what we call the push-pull in a relationship, and it can be very damaging for the relationship. She fears being abandoned, and that comes from a very deep and dark place where these are people who often, as kids, have had awful abuse situations. And it may have been that she um, stepped in to prevent her dad beating up her mum, and so she's taken that, that parentified role, but she's also been there fearful that her mum is going to get injured, hurt, die, or that uh, mum will leave or dad will leave or everyone will leave and she'll be all alone. So um, from a very early age, she's got this very high level of awareness around her and very much lives on edge. So this is, again, another symptom that the person is very anxious all the time. High levels of anxiety. And you can see where it comes from. She lived on edge as a kid because she had to. It was protective for her to kind of be always scanning the environment. When's the because next it was a war coming? zone. That's right. Yeah. So that's, that's another symptom of being highly anxious. Now, the self-esteem I mentioned is rock bottom. And again, you know, as a kid growing up, we all want and deserve a nurturing environment where people are saying, you know, hey, you're great, you know, it doesn't matter what at, but, you know, you're great at doing Mm -hmm. this and how wonderful that you've done that and, oh, that painting you've drawn, I'm going to put it on the fridge for everyone to see, etc. These are kids who don't have that or that there are people, sorry, these are women now who as kids did not have that. And so the self-esteem has never really developed. And so she's always looking for the next criticism. And there has been a lot of criticism in her past. So she doesn't, doesn't cope well with change or any kind of perceived criticism because the self-esteem isn't there. 
sometimes this can be so bad that she gets to a point where she's constantly thinking of suicide because that's an expression of really, really appalling self-esteem. The world would be better off without me. That's the kind of thinking. And sometimes the self-esteem um, is so bad that there's constant um, suicidal acts. Um, and that also is about rage and anger. It gets misdirected inwards, whereas it should be directed at the perpetrator. But there's a big distance sometimes between what happened as a five-year-old or there's no, you know, as a, as a five-year-old, five-year-olds don't have the capacity to put all this into logical sense. And so there's a split between what happened back there and the sorts of things that she's feeling now, which is overwhelming rage, self-harm by either slashing her wrists or burning or other self-harm activities and no connection with the, with the past. So that makes it difficult because people are going, what the hell is wrong with her? You know, she's hurting herself and we don't know why. Maybe this is just bad manipulative behaviour. And that's when it gets, that's, that's when it's really bad because that's going to continue to traumatise her, that she's not understood. This is the person who's crying out for some validation, for some understanding of what the hell is going on. And, you know, if we then traumatise her further with a stupid term like borderline personality disorder, or if our health systems see this person as a frequent flyer, a manipulator, yes. as a bad person, mm. this is all counterproductive. It makes her worse, mm. as, as we could all understand. And That's why I hate this term. Sounds like you're talking about me 20 years ago. Um, there would also be issues around um, safety in relationships yes. and being able to gauge who is a, is a good, healthy candidate for a relationship and recognising danger and stepping away from it. I mean, I, I'm imagining, I'm remembering my past with a lot of abuse. Um, it's familiar and you step back into those relationships. Well, partly because you don't feel worthy of something good. And, you know, particularly when you get a kid who's got sexual abuse in their background or physical abuse, they get this message that, you know, as a kid they can't say the perpetrator is evil or the perpetrator did bad. What they do is they internalise it. I'm bad. Mm. I deserve the worst. And so then later on in life that message stays which is where the bad relationships come, the further abuse in relationships or alcohol use or drug, street drug use, etc., etc. And the problem is there's a, also a, a thing which is where there's memory deficits. You can ask the woman who's got the abuse in the background and she'll say things like, oh, there are five years, six years missing in my story mm. oh, I, as a child. I can't remember between five and ten or something like that. Is, is that a disassociation of some yes, kind? Yes, it's yeah. exactly right, Mark. That's a disassociation. And mm. it's protective <coughs> in the sense that the mind is going, don't go there to that dark, horrible spot. Mm. But the difficulty is that she develops this pattern of dissociation whenever there's a stress. And I have a, a you know, I have a... Um, a, patient, a, a person I've been working with for now some some years, and over time she's been able to actually say that, you know, unfortunately she had this horrible situation with uh, sexual abuse from the age of four to, to 12, mm. and she would disappear in her mind when her body was being abused. She would go to this picture of a garden, a nice, peaceful, tranquil garden. But the problem is now, even though she's much older... Mm. When she's stressed by anything, and it can be the tram turning up late or whatever it is, she dissociates. So she's there in body, but she's not there 
in mind. She's not present. She's mm. split. Yeah. So, Jayshree, what kind of approaches are you taking to work with these women? Well, first of all, I, I want people to join me on a campaign to get rid of that term, borderline personality disorder. So, hence, I'm delighted to be here banging <laughs> this particular drum. But um, we want to work on getting this education out there for the mental health field, the mental health clinicians, because there's still a lot of stigma attached to borderline personality disorder as a condition. Mm. It's not understood. Um, There isn't a one single drug that fixes this problem, as in medication, but we want to look into the biology of it as well as the psychology and the social aspects. There are different types of therapeutic mindfulness techniques and some of the other psychotherapeutic talking techniques that are quite good, but they're not universally known. They're certainly not universally um, used and um, there should be more of it. We do want to get people to understand the health aspects. Now I'm talking general health, not mental health. Here's the biology. What happens in a kid who's abused or traumatised is because of this business of living on edge, their body chemistry changes. So they have high levels of stress hormone, cortisol. That triggers a change in their brain chemistry but it also triggers a change in their body um, systems. So a number of these girls, now women, experience problems with their weight. So they have a problem with insulin sensitivity, so there's more diabetes. Mm. There is weight gain, so there's more obesity. It also affects the reproductive hormones, so there can be infertility. There can be a condition called polycystic ovarian syndrome Mm. where there's a mismatch of the um, androgens or the male hormones and female hormones in a woman Mm. so she can have problems with facial hair um, she can have problems with um, all sorts of medication responses and so on so what we want to get across is this is not a an isolated yep she was traumatized then but you know that that stopped when she was 10 everything's hunky-dory now. No, 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 no. There are physical problems. There are mental state problems. And then there were educational problems because she was high on alert the whole time in her body and mind. So how do you take in new information when when you're sitting on edge the whole time? You can't. So education is an issue. Indeed. And it it, it strikes me that it's on many axes. The whole person, I think we're speaking about off air. Look, we'll just have a quick break. Is something worrying you? Need someone to talk to? Having trouble at work or at home? Call WIRE Women's Information on 1300 134 130, Monday to Friday, 9am to 5pm. Talk to a woman who cares. It's free and confidential Victoria-wide. You can talk to us about anything. You can also talk to us in your own language through our telephone interpreter service. So call WIRE on 1300 134 130 or visit wire.org.au. WIRE is a 3CR supporter. Welcome back to Brainwaves. Uh, today we are talking with Professor Jayshree Kolkani about uh, women's mental health issues. I'll just hand over to Cathy now to uh, begin the conversation again. <clears throat> okay. So Jayshree, um, I understand this is a widespread problem. 
Yes, we've, we've been talking about this horrible thing called borderline personality disorder, which I prefer to call complex trauma disorder. And we estimate that you know there's about 35% of the female population that experience this in some form or other. Now that doesn't mean it, it, you know this, it's it's the full um, self harm and all of the the things we were talking about, but to some extent or other, it's very very common. And if you think about when I what I talked about with trauma, which can include emotional deprivation, emotional abuse, and so on, it, you can understand why there's a significant number. What really worries me is um, the trends of what we're seeing, which is that this problem is getting worse, not better. And I think that um, we need to really think about how in our community we can be kinder um, to our children and kinder to our uh, younger people so that, in fact, we might be able to help rather than hinder the progress through life. I was at um, the International Association of Women's Mental Health Congress recently in uh, Tokyo and uh, there were some fantastic presentations on exactly this topic from a number of different countries. And certainly in the Western world, this is an increasing problem. And um, not to be alarmist, but it, it does seem like if we don't do something, we're going to have an epidemic on our hands because some of the things that happen is that um, people who have got this issue and haven't had any help or treatment or recognition of it can actually then um, continue to have abusive exper- experiences in their life. And then if they uh, are not able to turn this around, it continues on um, and can be visited on their children and so on. So it's really important that we get hold of this. When I talk about emotional abuse or deprivation, it can be things such as cross-cultural conflict. It's interesting that um, we talk to women who experience cross-cultural conflict in the sense that they might come from a particular sort of background and within their household they're expected to perform according to that cultural norm. The minute they leave the front door and go into you know, everyday um, Aussie society, (laughs) whatever that is, um, there's a different set of uh, rules and expectations. And particularly if, you know, a young woman's trying to be cool and be in with the crowd at school, that's a completely different way of behaving to what she might be experiencing at home. And that kind of conflict can set up quite a traumatising effect. So... We are looking at this in at the uh, Monash Alfred Psychiatry Research Centre. We actually have a study looking at this um, particular borderline personality disorder, which we don't like calling it, with complex trauma disorder condition, looking at it in terms of identifying the symptoms that women are experiencing. And we're also looking at a new medication trial to see if we can improve the thinking. This is a, a condition which has memory deficits, the thinking part of it, mm. and, as well as the emotional regulation, as well as relationship issues, as well as self-esteem. So we are trying to see if we can and work with uh, the biology as well as the psychology, as well as look at you know, what's going on in this person's world, education, work, relationships, and so on. Mm. Um, so tell us about the new schizophrenia pro- program that's being recruited for. That's another study as well. So we have a new um, schizophrenia trial, which is uh, looking at the use of ondansetron. Now, ondansetron is an anti-nausea drug. It's been around forever, Mm. and it's been used in pregnancies. It's been used in cancer treatments and so on. It's an anti-nausea, anti-vomiting type drug. 
But we've found that it has an impact on the serotonin system, which is one of the brain chemicals that uh, is altered in people with schizophrenia. So that's what this medication trial is about. It's good because it's a very safe medication. We know its history. You know, Mm. it's been used for um, nausea and vomiting. So it doesn't have the weight gain and all the other horrible things that some of the um, antipsychotics have. So if anyone's out there and really interested, they could ring 9076 six five six four and it's the on dancitron study which mm. is new study in schizophrenia would would get you to the right person just ju- just give them uh, give them a chance to get a buyer and perhaps yep. repeat that number if you could Jashri. nine oh seven six six five six four Excellent. i hope that was slow <laughs> enough <laughs> i think it was yeah <laughs> But there are a number of different studies that we are undertaking at the Monash Alfred Psychiatry Research Centre and our mission is to develop new treatments, new understanding and new services to improve the quality of life of people suffering from mental illness. We work in a very collaborative manner so we're always asking for people to give us feedback on uh, what their experiences are like, what do people notice who are living with the con- with various conditions because uh, that's where the best information is. That's where, you know, what's the top of the list for what's bothering you the most? Yes, you might have a diagnosis, but that's not that's not it. It's about what's the main thing we need to get better. Mm. And that's where we really want to be able to do, and we are doing, real-world research, not something that's, you know, about animal models in, an, in a different setting, etc. And um, I can recommend the Monash Alfred Psychiatry Research Centre research projects. I've participated in a couple oh, over the years. Know. Yes, and I found um, the um, the staff running the research projects friendly, welcoming, supportive. Um, a study I did last year was a lot of fun. Oh, thank you. We were looking at improving cognitive functioning. Um, I hope mine's improved. <laughs> but it was a terrific environment to sit there and, and, and work away with a, a group of other people with the same cause. So, yeah, that's a recommendation, folks. Well, look, as usual, we're uh, short of time. We only have a half-hour show, which we're going to work on, are we, Kate? We're going to try and yes. try and extend it in the future if we can. But I just uh, well, we'd all like to thank Professor Jayshree Kalkani for coming in. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. And, and thank you very much for the lovely words, Kate. Oh, you're most welcome. Indeed. Now, uh, just uh, to let people know, should you wish to uh, catch up on our program at any time, you can listen to podcasts at uh, 3cr.org.au and also iTunes. And please send us feedback or thoughts or just get in contact with us, especially if you have a story, suggestions or a topic you'd like to share. You can email us at brainwaves at myfellowship.org or post to brainwaves at 3CR post office box 1277 Collingwood, Victoria. So thanks again for listening. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. And be sure to tune in next Wednesday at 5pm for another episode of Brainwaves. Stay tuned next for Renegade Economist coming up uh, next on 3CR. And until